Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another fine episode of Midwestern Fins. It's been so long, but we're here. We're doing it. Haggy, what is going on, my man? Not much. I'm just in quarantine right now. My roomie tested positive, so. Oh, well, yeah. this seems like a good time to record, be recording a podcast then. Since yeah, you don't it does. Have anything else to do. Just uh, make sure you stay safe, man, and keep doing whatever you're doing. But we're back okay. at it. We're back at Midwestern Fins. I didn't introduce myself. It's your boy, TB. It's been a long time since Haggy and I have been able to record, and I'm going to take the blame. So I want to apologize to you, Haggy, and all of our listeners that we haven't been able to do this. But uh, the month of September, we really focused on, of course, Taylor Rides 200, which we'll get to in a minute. But we also talked about mental health, mental health awareness and suicide awareness. And I just want to let you guys know that sometimes you have to take time for yourself. You have to do the things that are right for you so that you can get right and that you can move forward. And that's what I did. If you didn't notice, I took an entire month's hiatus from Twitter and other social media sources because I really wanted to focus on me and my kids and do the things that were right for us. So we're back at it. We're doing well. And I appreciate everybody that reached out to me and made sure that we are good. So here we are. Heck yeah. Yeah. I, I stay on the mental health. Yeah, definitely. Stay on that best you can. I think that even as much as we've talked about it ourselves, me and you, Haggy, and as much as we've talked about it on Midwestern Fins and our timelines and things like that, it cannot be talked about enough. I agree. So... Let's uh, let's just keep doing the things that we do and keep moving forward. And if you guys have a moment to just talk to anybody about it or just bring any awareness like that's that's all I want to do for the charity of the week. Just everybody be willing to go out and talk about the things you feel like you need to talk about. It's important. Largely, I thought <laughs> that's why I kind of paused there, but oh no, it's all good. I just I don't know. I felt like. Uh... <laughs> I like that was important. So. <laughs> so did my son Ridley. He thought that was important too. So yeah, your 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 son Ridley is going to be hella strong mentally. Um, yeah. So I don't have anything else on mental health. So okay. if you guys, or if you want to move a little bit forward with uh, with what we also mentioned, Taylor writes two hundred. That'd be swell yeah so i should have done better at uh you know coming out a little bit more at the end Uh, i know that i made a thread you know thanking all of the donors and everybody that helped me get there but uh we ended up riding 200 miles or i did at least um i know weck and cheyenne also put on miles i had a lot of friends that rode with me Uh, my uncle kevin and my friend jacobs both of them so that was good uh my original goal was five hundred dollars. We bumped it to a thousand. We ended up raising over fifty five hundred. <laughs> so man, just a huge, huge stuff. Absolutely. That is that's awesome. That's literally over tenfold. Yeah. It was, uh just uh it was super humbling for me and I didn't know how to really express that to people. You know, it's like hard because I wanted to do something cool for me and I wanted to do something cool for other people. And it was like such an awesome, unique experience that it's hard to put into words on paper or 
on social media or like even over the airways, it's hard to explain that to somebody. They, they, so. It's definitely like uh, literally awesome, like, like leaves you in awe. Like it was, it, it was badass. I, I am extremely proud of you and I'm very happy for what the results of that. Yeah, so I was uh, looking a little bit into, like, number-wise. Um, when I checked, this was over a month ago, uh, I was, like, ranked number 69. <laughs> Taylor, rides <laughs> nice. 200. Taylor Rides 200 was ranked 69 in the United States for uh, most money raised, which was really cool. Um, we had a team size of three. So it was hard to filter, but uh, between team sizes two and ten, we were ranked pretty high there. And then if I were to be like uh, an individual team, I would have been top ten. So it's pretty pretty nice. sweet. Heck yeah! But um, I do feel like I want to tell everybody another reason why I was waiting to record Midwestern Fins is because I reached out to Alex's Lemonade Stand. And I've heard back from them a couple times, but we're really, really hoping that we will be able to get them on this podcast. So just a little bit. I don't want to give too much, but uh, we're trying to get Alex's Lemonade Stand on Midwestern Fins. Yep. Um, I know Christina was interested in knowing what the holdup was. Um, if you're listening, uh, Mr. Scott, uh, anytime, open invitation. Love to have you on whenever we can get that all figured out. Yeah, for sure. So we'll, we'll make sure to stay in touch, but I think that's a, uh, that's enough for me about all that. I mean, uh, it was a really cool experience. I want to thank everybody again for that, but uh, just be on the lookout for new stuff and you know, next year is going to be really cool too. So hundred percent. All right. Well, with that in mind, I guess it's time to talk about the dolphins. Yeah, I'm here for it. We are the Midwestern Finns, so. Yeah. Uh, I just want to open up and say that I'm still, I have to be steadfast on the no expectations gang gang. I have to be. Because if I don't, we all know what that's going to lead to. So, Taylor Ballard is still no expectations gang gang. That's it. That's all I'm going to say for now. <laughs> Um, well, we were, we were low expectations gang gang, but we're going to bump it back down, especially after that, the couple losses we've had, but what's really promising is our defense right now. There's a couple of things that I'd still like to upgrade on, like, especially still an edge rusher, like Ogba has been doing good. Uh, Van Ginkle has been doing good. Well, Ogba has been doing actually really good. But even with him doing, like, really, really good, if we can get another elite edge rusher on the other side, it's going to be like Joey Porter, Jason Taylor. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to wreck people. It's going to be like Von Miller and Elmas Dumerville. You know what I mean? Yeah, or like, uh, DeMarcus Ware and Von Miller. Or DeMarcus Ware and Von Miller, too, yeah. Like, I just, yeah, it's, uh, it's there. With the secondary that we have, and if we have like two, like I'm saying, like our our first of the first round draft picks, edge rusher, right? The second one, I know everyone's like, oh, we need we need more weapons for for the offense. Cool, we'll get like a we'll get a wide receiver with that. 
I'm cool with it, right, with the other first-round pick. Second round, I want both those bad boys to be defensive tackles. Like, let's get let's get some let's get some size and strength up on there, you know. Yeah. Let's let's get this run game snuffed out. Well, with that being said, I feel like you know this all comes into having expectations for this team. So, like, anytime a free agent is signed, um, especially to multi-year contracts that are worth a little bit. We expect a lot from them. So I think Ogba coming over is paying off, obviously, pretty clear. Yep. Uh, but we wanted Shaq Lawson to have similar productivity, and that hasn't happened yet. Yep. But it might be there. He did have a forced fumble just like Ogba did, correct? In his most so. recent game. I so think that- that's the one that Van Noy almost took to the house. Yeah, So so there's that. And then... We also have, you know, Christian Wilkins is playing very well, very solid. I love uh, that guy. His stats aren't as huge as we're, you know, we're used to seeing from these like top tier defensive tackles. You know, like he's not doing Aaron Donald numbers, but well, he's right. doing enough. He's doing enough to be noticed, and I think that's important. Absolutely, because <laughs> the offensive coordinators of the other team are going to see that and be like, "All right, we got to like double team that guy." Yeah, and then. You know, we we are looking forward to seeing Devon Godshaw do his thing, but Godshaw's hurt, so we haven't been able to see that. And then Raquan Davis is a rookie. I don't know what else to say there. You know, Christian Wilkinson do a lot last year either, so Raquan might be there. It's coming. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna be patient with him. Um, I'm gonna I'm patient with most rookies. I feel like for the most part, um, I think that. He's got the size to be able to get it. I think it might just be a point right now where he's like still trying to kind of like learn this level, which I feel like Wilkins kind of did a little bit because like in college you can you have a better easier chance of like pushing people around. Then yeah, and the NFL if they're starting offensive linemen, they're generally pretty good unless they're yeah. there because of an injury, you know. So like you can't really just push those guys around especially if they've been around for a while. So him adjusting to that and like adjusting to like new leverage points, especially cause he's a big guy. Like it's going to, it's going to take a little bit, but once he gets it figured out, I think he's going to be a force. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what we ultimately hope for. Cause if, if we hit, okay, let's say, let's say it comes down to it and we hit on Raekwon Davis and we hit on, you know, these other rookies like Noah, and Robert Hunt, and I think Kinsley. I think Kinley, Kinley's already a hit. I don't think yep. anybody would debate that. The only thing I, I'd be concerned about is if he gets into some kind of slump in the future, because sometimes offensive linemen can be streaky. That's absolutely true. And we have to go on. So I just uh, I think that you know we we all want our draft picks to succeed, and that's normal for us. But we also have to put realistic expectations on them and the draft class as a whole, because we don't want to individualize each player. You know, like draft class, 50 percent succeed is a good draft class. That's a very good class. And as much as we want this 2020 draft class to be full of star studded starters, the fact that it's not going to happen is a reality. So Mm -hmm. if Raekwon Davis doesn't turn out, it's nothing to be shocked about because 
of all the other high round draft picks that we had. True. So I think the fact that we got him so late in the second round is huge. You know, I think that was uh, something that I vividly remember from draft night of how stoked Brian Flores was that we got him that late. He, he was. So. And and when you see him on the field, you know, big number 98, you tell that that's Raekwon Davis because you're like, damn, that dude is humongous. Yeah, he is a mountain of a man for sure. He reminds me of Linville Joseph, like on the field, not not like similar skill set or like looks or anything, but just being that much bigger of a player. Yep. I loved watching Linville Do- Joseph play for the Vikings. I just remember seeing him like on a defensive line with, you know, uh, these other great athletes. And like, he's just so much bigger than everyone. Yep. For those of you that can't really put that, put Linval jo- Joseph in your mind, kind of think like Paul Solii ish. You know, he was pretty, pretty big guy too. Yeah, definitely. That defensive line was fun. I'm sorry that you kind of went out for a sec. Uh, that defensive line was fun to watch for the Dolphins. Paul Solii, Randy Starks, and Cameron Wake. Oh, yeah. Loved it. And then we lose. Okay. Uh, How do we get back into this? Okay. Sorry about that. There were some technical difficulties. Um, Yeah. um, I think we can. um, Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that works. Uh, yeah sorry sorry guys <laughs> yeah hey sorry about that there was some uh technical difficulties that we needed to take care of real quick but yeah jumping back into it i just like i i feel like we as dolphins fans want all of our draft picks to succeed but it's unrealistic for us to realize that all of them will not yeah i think i think one example that we can all look at right now is with uh, with Isaiah Ford being traded away. I don't know if there's anybody left on the team from the 2017 draft. Um, that was Charles Harris' year, right? Well, I'm going to look really quick just because I want to make sure. But I, I saw a picture, and I, I don't think that there's... Yeah, Charles Harris is uh, was the first round draft pick in 2017. That's already like a uh, not a good start. Charles Harris, Raekwon McMillan, Cordrea Tankersley, who's still on the squad, but he's a practice squad player. Right. Uh, Isaac Asiata. He's a police officer in, in Utah now. On Godshaw, who's hurt. Vincent Taylor, who got released. Isaiah Ford, who just got traded. So it looks like we just got Godshaw on that. Yeah, Godshaw and Tankersley, but Tankersley was a third-round draft pick, and he plays on the practice squad and never really got into the first-team reps. So, Yep. And you know what? Like you said, it happens. Um, But if you look at 
other drafts, we obviously have some drafts where we hit better. Um, for example, I believe our 2016 was pretty good. Okay, that was Laramie Tunsil. We know, we know the story with that. X was our second round. Canyon Drake, we know the story for that. Leonte Crew. Uh, oh. yeah. Jakeem Grant. And, yeah, okay. Not very inspiring either, but still. Yeah. We get a couple I, here and there. <laughs> I think that, and we've probably talked about this before, and I, don't, I, I feel like we need to move on from this idea, but... Like, we as Dolphins fans deserve this team to hit on their draft picks. And the team deserves that they have to hit on the draft picks. That's something that needs to happen in order for the squad to be successful. So I feel like the 2020 draft has these really unrealistic expectations because it's like the first draft of like the real overhaul. You know, like, here's the new team. We got the quarterback. It's the first full year with a new coach and it's going to be very pivotal and we want them to succeed and they need to, but it's unrealistic for us to think that they're all going to. I agree. And you're right. It's something we could probably talk about all day, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll just cross our fingers and hope for 50%. Yeah. But uh, I guess we can kind of transition. One stellar rookie that we've all been waiting for that we haven't really got the chance to talk about this year, Tua Tungavailoa made his first career NFL start this last weekend. Yeah, Maggie, how are you feeling? I realized that he's a rookie who I think, again, we should have waited until like week 17 or later. I realized that his first game was against one of the best pass defenses in the league, even though they were without Jalen Ramsey this week. Um, so I feel okay with how he did. Um, there's a little, there's a couple slips. He, you know, had to fumble his first pass attempt, which you know that's Aaron Donald being Aaron Donald. Like you, you can't, you can't fault <laughs> Tua for that. Um, I'm, I feel okay. Yes, I'm a Dolphins fan, but I really like seeing good old line play. I got slightly excited about that. I know, call me a traitor all you want, but, um, outs like that's, that's, that's just being a fan of the game. Um, but other than that, I mean, like he made some pretty good throws that throw to Devonte Parker was spot on. Uh, that Jakeem Grant one, I I feel like Jakeem had to jump for it to catch it with his body, um, if I remember that play correctly. But, I mean, that was pretty good placement for a normal-sized receiver. And uh, so it was kind of it was encouraging. He didn't throw any interceptions. Um, I, I, pulled up the, uh, I pulled up the stats, and I said um, before the game, like probably sometime in the in the middle of the bye week, I said, "Is Tua gonna be better than Josh Rosen, right, against the Rams?" And um, I had a a strong yes, or like a he's gonna be way better. He's gonna be slightly better. He's gonna be 
the same or he's going to do worse, right? Josh Rosen ran for 44 yards, threw for 87 yards. I believe he had an interception and no touchdowns. Um, Tua threw for like 93 yards, had a touchdown, no interceptions, had a fumble recovery. I don't think he got any rushing yards on two attempts. So I'd say overall, you know, getting the touchdown, getting the W, which Rosen did not, I'd say he did slightly better than Rosen. So I think it was like one or two people that voted that. Congratulations. You're Nostradamus. And I'm actually going to do this again with, and you'll see it on my Twitter page. I'm going to do it again with Ryan Tannehill against the Cards the first time they played him. So I just kind of, it's not like I'm not doing it for like expectations or for everyone to get mad at me. Um, I just kind of want to see everyone's perspective. And um, these are kind of easy measuring stones because I'm not comparing them to like, I don't know, the greatest quarterback of all time, like a lot of you have been doing. Um. Yeah, man. Who is comparing Tua to Cleo with a clear mind? I know. Cleo. Yeah, Cleo Lemon. Nah, he's the second best. <laughs> oh, sorry. I forgot. Jay Cutler's number one. Exactly. It's all right. He doesn't really care enough that you disrespected him. Yeah, sorry about that. But I'm... I think that's a fun game. Yeah. Maybe I maybe I will compare him to Cleo Levin, Levin whenever we play the um, the Ravens. Okay. But yeah, so I guess moving forward, uh, kind of build on this topic. So the next game's against the Cardinals. I don't feel like the big concern for me is going to be the offense because. We're in a day and age now where we're going to have to play a full team game to win. So we can't rely on the offense to win the game. We can't rely on the defense to win the game. Can't rely on the special teams to win the game. It was right. pretty clear that against the Rams, we had successes on all three phases, which is incredibly important. And How- honestly, like the way we did it, you don't see that very often. That was stunning. Yeah. Say the least. I think the thing that concerns me going into this weekend is that even with the number one ranked scoring defense, which is huge, the shutout against the Jets helped a lot. Shutting down the 49ers helped a lot. Obviously shutting down the Rams helped a lot. Yeah. The thing that bothers me or concerns me is how many yards we've been giving up. Because mm-hmm. eventually the amount of time that's on, that you are on the field is going to catch up to you. Yep. So even if you're not giving up points, if teams are putting yards against you and, you know, we did it twice, right, where we scored a defensive touchdown right away or a special team touchdown and the defense had to go right back onto the field. Yep. The defense cannot get off the field, even if they're playing well. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not saying that it's bad that they had a fumble return touchdown. I'm not saying it's bad that we had a fumble recovery end up on the one-yard line. I'm not saying it's bad that we had a punt return touchdown. Those are all great things. Those are all great things. They're phenomenal. Absolutely. However, we cannot expect the team or realistically want them to do that every game because if they're playing the field 70 snaps and the offense is only seeing the field for 40 or less, then that is something to be concerned about because injuries are going to start getting caught up on us 
depth is going to start coming forward more. The strength of our depth is going to be more important. We're going to see players on the on the defensive line or the linebacking unit or the defensive secondary that are going to start getting burned yep. because you know they're not used to playing that much or they're starting to be put into roles that they normally wouldn't have to because other players are getting injured or tired too quickly. Yeah. So I'm concerned that the defense won't be able to get off the field, and I'm concerned that the offense isn't going to be able to stay on the field. Mm-hmm. I think that time of possession is such an underrated stat that teams don't really pay attention to because these outliers are so incredible. You know, like the 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 team that comes to my mind was like the Panthers a few years ago when they went 15 and one. They would yeah. run like they would run 20 plays a half, but they would have the ball for like 18 minutes a half. Yep. So I mean. They were utilizing the clock. They were making sure that their players were well rested. They were doing the things that were that made sense. Yeah, that was an outlier. The other outlier that comes to my mind, there's two of them. The Eagles a few years ago, when they ran a hurry up offense all the time, they would run hundreds of plays a game, but they wouldn't have time of possession, and they didn't really win a lot. And then the other the other team that comes to my mind, and this is an extreme outlier, would be the Chiefs of last year or the year before. Mm-hmm. They their offense wasn't on the field very much, but it was because they were scoring right away. If your team can do that, then it makes sense because you're putting it up. But if you're not consistently scoring and keeping the ball, then that's the issue. So that's what I'm looking to see this weekend. Those are the two things I want to see. I want to see the defense be able to get off the field and I want the offense to be able to stay on the field even if there's no points scored between the two. That's what we really need to work on. That's why yards are so important. I agree 100%. And that you nailed it, especially with, like, with, like, wearing it down. Like, that's that's something that, like, adds up over the season. And so what's important for us to help mitigate that, like, our offense staying on the field, but also developing a running game, which is not something we've been able to do, which is something you – especially pound the table for. And I just, uh, Patrick Laird season, I guess. Well, I'm hoping that actually Jordan Howard, like gets into a groove. You know what I mean? He's kind of that more physical running back on our squad. I mean, you were able to see it with us using him only in the goal line the first few weeks. I think he had three, I think he had three touchdowns in three games. Yep. Something like that. It was From there, crazy. It was only like eight yards a game. <laughs> I don't even think it was that much. I think he has 18 carries. And I, I don't quote me, please don't. But I think he has 18 carries for 12 yards and three touchdowns. And people want to judge him on that. That's fine. But if you're averaging a touchdown every six touches, I feel like that's important. I feel like that's a stat that you can build on. Uh, so many people are focused on his yards per carry. But he's had eight carries from the one yard line or something like that. You know, like that's not enough to determine his abilities. Right. A hundred percent. I mean, I'm, I would, I would be here for a Jordan Howard, you know, uh, a couple weeks with Jordan Howard, just because I think people forget he led the NFC in rushing his rookie year. He tore it up when he was a bear. Yep. When he went to the Eagles, it wasn't bad. Right. So, 
you know, if, if that's the game plan that they come out with, you know, like, hey, what? We're going to put, we're going to have, we're going to start with a two tight end set with Gasicki and Durham Smythe and then Chandler Cox in the backfield with Jordan Howard. And we're going to run the ball the first three plays of the game. Even if they get zero yards, I would be like, let's go. That right. would excite it set the tone. So I uh, I think the thing that I've been pounding the table for the most lately is I don't understand what the point of carrying a fullback on the roster is if you're not going to use them. I agree. I don't get Honestly, that. like you can wait, I've seen a lot of pistol formations. You can you can use the fullback in the pistol. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. Well, shoot. especially for pass blocking purposes, it's like perfect setup already for them. Yeah. There's perfect setup for pass blocking. Um, I doubt we'll see a, a triple option with Chandler Cox, but hey, you never know. <laughs> I mean, heck, not even just an op- not even an option. Just do a fullback dive from that. Like they're not gonna. That's not gonna be something they they necessarily expect the first time. You know. Yeah. Like, be creative. Shit. Yeah, I think I think that's something that we have Dolphins fans have been noticing this year as our offense is not creative. Nope. And then, well, our only sparks of quote unquote creativity is we'll hop into the wildcat for a little bit and not do much with it. You can't expect to run a wildcat successfully. If the guy that's right across from you name is Aaron Donald. That's also true, but I don't know. I feel like there's a, I feel like a lot of when we do Wildcat, it's a lot of like what we started off with. Jet sweep, you know, like how Ronnie used to have Ricky come across the formation. Like, I remember playing against the Bills, like, I don't know what it was, like, or not the Bills, the Browns, like a couple years back. And uh, what was that uh, guy who was a quarterback and he went to wide receiver, like after being in the NFL? You know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, I, I, it's not I don't know, Taylor. It's oh, either way. Uh, hold on a second. He played for Pharrell the Raiders. Pryor. Pharrell Pryor. Yeah, like he ran the wildcat against us, and it looked like just basically a guy in shotgun. And it's like, like we could be doing that with Malcolm Perry. He played quarterback in, in for the Navy. Um. And then also that Lynn Bowden guy played quarterback for Kentucky a little bit. I don't. I didn't actually watch him throwing it. So well, and he's on COVID list anyway. But um, at least with Malcolm Perry, like he was a decent quarterback. So I, I like, feel like mix it up. Run a wildcat where you're actually passing. That'll throw the defense will be like, ah, what the fuck? <laughs> I feel like what we should be utilizing Malcolm Perry as if, if he's as good of a skill position player as everybody is saying that he is or touting he is, why wouldn't we try to build a package like the saints use Taysom Hill? I feel like that's just an easy get out because that's what we see, but that would be what makes sense to me. Yeah, I could see that too. Obviously not the same size player. So they're not going to be able to like run the ball up the gut. Like Taysom Hill can you know, like that's not a normal thing. However, it doesn't mean you can't design a quarterback run for Malcolm Perry or let him throw the ball. It's a thing that happens. And then we we saw him catch a ball from Tua. So 
yeah. utilization for players is so important for me. And I think that's part of the reason why I've been so disgusted. <laughs> maybe dis, uh, maybe disgust is not the right word, but I feel like that's what's been bothering me with this offense is we haven't been utilizing the players that we should. We saw a game where Mike Gesicki went off. He was utilized yeah. the way that he should. Getting one target a game, not so much. Right. Running game, running backs not getting 12 carries a game, 12 touches a game. Either way, still frustrating. Mm-hmm. And you had mentioned that you think that a, a running back needs a minimum of 12 touches a game to be successful. Yeah. I would um, I'd bump that up to like 15, personally. Um, I mean, we, we saw Lamar Miller averaging 13 carries a game and getting a thousand yard season. I think that's more of an outlier personally, but unless they're like in an actual committee, you know what I mean? Like an actual running back committee, like we're, I don't, I'm not counting Gaskins and Brita as a committee, you know, like Gas or Brita hardly ever touch, gets like in the formation or in the game at all. So well, and like the the difference between like running back cut by committee was that they would change every series. So mm-hmm. like, hey, you know, this series we're gonna have this guy go out there and run the whole series. The next series we have this guy run out, go have the whole series. I feel like the only time that I remember that being successful, and maybe maybe it maybe I'm wrong, but the one that sticks out in my mind because it was like the definition of running back by committee was old uh, lightning thunder and lightning and thunder with the giants it was like brandon jacobs ahmad bradshaw and uh one more i can't think of it but like brandon jacobs was this huge dude yeah and of course he would run the ball up the middle ahmad bradshaw was a little smaller and uh he would go out was mendenhall the other one maybe i feel like I feel like they went to the Steelers afterwards, but either way, the Giants had a three-headed monster. Yeah. That's what they called them, and that's what they utilized them for. They all had special traits, but they wouldn't put them in situations where their traits would succeed. They would build out to that point. They'd be like, Brandon Jacobs is going to run the ball. He's going to run the ball at the middle, but it's not going to be in predictable situations. Right. Ahmad Bradshaw is going to run sweeps and get screens and stuff, but we're not going to make him do that in third and long. Like that's going to be a first down play. That's going to be a, a you know a per series style offense. Right. So who who's to say that the Dolphins wouldn't be able to do that with Jordan Howard, Matt Breda, and Miles Gaskin when they're healthy? That just seems like something an offensive coordinator should be doing. And I am no offensive coordinator. Right. I don't want to say that this is the way or the highway because it's not. You know, they know more about football than I do, and they should. That's why they get paid to do that. Mm-hmm. However, it does seem a little weird to me that we sign these running backs to get 18 carries a week or 18 carries a season so far. Like the seven games in, here's 18 touches. Yep. That's not fair to anyone. No, and, and you know, this is what I do personally, right? Like I would, I'd be in the first half, right? I'd be hammering away with Gaskins and Jordan Howard, right? Gaskins on more of those outside zones, sweeps, stuff like that. Jordan Howard more on like the ISOs and inside zones, stuff like that. Maybe a couple outside zones. Like, you know, wearing the defense down a little bit, you know, trying to keep them on the field, going some play action, right? And then 
later towards the third quarter, start incorporating Brita more with Gaskins instead of Howard. And that's where you're going to get Brita being able to like break out because it's going to be later in the game. The defense is going to be tired. And then all of a sudden you got this fresh speedy back that just. You know what I mean? Yep. I know exactly what you mean. And that's, that's how I feel like we should be building, but alas, we are not football coaches. So, well, not at that level anyway. <laughs> so and I guess I'm, uh, I'm defensive coach too. So, <laughs> well, Haggy, how about you? Uh, while we while we start to wrap up this episode, we've been going for a good minute. Um, why don't you just give us a uh, prediction on what you expect? Here, two things. It's my favorite things, and it's only my favorite because I have no expectations. But what do you want to see this weekend, and what do you expect to see this weekend? I want to see the defense contain Kyler Murray. If you think about it a little bit, right, what what kind of quarterbacks have we succeeded against so far, right? Gardner Minshew, Joe Flacco, Jared Goff, and a Jimmy Garoppolo with a high ankle sprain, right? What does that tell you? Not very mobile, right? Uh, that that tells me that we haven't experienced uh, or faced a mobile quarterback outside of Josh Allen. Josh Allen and Russell Wilson. So, and then Cam Newton also, right? That's three mobile quarterbacks we did not succeed against. Kyler Murray is short, and he is mobile, and he will slip right out of our defense and toss a bomb to DeAndre Hopkins or... Larry Fitzgerald, who I don't think he's in the GOAT conversation, but I think he definitely should be. Uh, that dude catches everything, and it's ridiculous. How, how can I, – I don't, I don't think that you could – I don't think that's true. You don't think I he's, think Larry Fitzgerald is definitely in the GOAT conversation. Well, you know, you mostly hear like Jerry Rice and Terrell Lowens, you know what I mean, and Randy Moss. Oh, I, like, I won't say that he's underlooked by I won't say that he's not underappreciated. He definitely is. But if you're a fan of football, you need to look at Larry Fitzgerald as an entire package, and that man is definitely one hundred percent that. Hundred percent agree. Like, I, I think that Larry Fitzgerald is number one on my list of players that deserve a Super Bowl ring. Absolutely. And he almost got Dolphins it if it wasn't for Santonio Holmes doing a toe tap. Dolphins fans, please don't get me wrong when I say Cameron Wake deserves a touchdown or a Super Bowl ring because he does. But they're going to, their first thought's going to be Dan Marino. Let's be honest. Even as great of a player Cameron Wake was, Larry Fitzgerald is the definition of superstar on and off the field. So, oh, yeah. I didn't. I, I I digress there. I just, yeah. Uh, go back to what you're saying. Kyler Murray is going to be the biggest test I think this year so far, mm-hmm. until we face Mahomes, and that's yes. that's saying something because Russell Wilson is a god. Yep. By no means. But we already and faced him. <laughs> something 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 that we could say is he really didn't absolutely tear us a new one. To, in my opinion, like he's done to other teams. So 
if we can take any kind of subtle victory about that, the fact that we somewhat tamed Mr. Russell Wilson until the fourth quarter when he did God work, it's pretty good. I feel like he was just playing with us. <laughs> I think Russell Wilson should probably be the MVP this year, but I'll digress on that. Um, but yeah, Kyler Murray being containing him in the pocket and then being able to contain those receivers. I mean, X and Byron Jones, great quarterback or corners. Um, we're gonna have to have Nick Needham or Noah, um, Noah Iggy contain Christian Kirk because he's gonna be a threat. Um, we'll probably see Bobby McCain playing center field a lot, especially because. You know, they like to just bomb it deep to their big receivers. Um, so we're going to need, well, Eric Rowe will basically contain whatever tight end they have. They don't even, I feel like they hardly ever use their tight ends anyway, Arizona. Um, and then we'll have to contain their running backs. Um, Kenyon Drake probably won't play because he's injured, which, you know, I love seeing Drake and I would have loved to see him just run all over Brian Flores' defense because I feel like he got cheated by him and Gase, but. I digress. Um, but Chase Edmonds isn't a slouch either. He's a quick back, and I think in, he can do some dirty work to us if we can't contain him. Um, and then on the defensive side, like the Cardinals, like they're kind of a little streaky on defense, but they've they've got some good players. Uh, Patrick Peterson's still still good. Buda Baker, their safety, is pretty pretty great. Um, He's- Probably the best safety in football right now. I'd, I'd agree with that 100%. Like, I can't, like, yeah, I can't think of a current safety that, that's better than him right now. Like, even though ours are doing good. Um, yeah. Uh, and then we'd have to look Rowe, at... If Eric Rowe would have caught that pick six, then we'd be thinking different. But, you know, he dropped it, so... Honestly, like... If he caught it, I'd still put Buda Baker above him, but I think Eric Rowe is a little bit underrated. Slightly. He's definitely better than Bobby McCain, and Bobby McCain is rated like number seven, so that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me either. Like, McCain's got a couple picks, sure, but honestly, for the most part, he's like, he's, he's been a liability in some some games. Um, he's not really a great tackler. Um, like, he... He tries to like lay the wood, but he doesn't. Even when he does hit him, it doesn't seem like he's really laying the wood. Um, so he should really figure out like just actual tackling. Um, I've seen him, or we've see, we've seen him get burned plenty of times. Um, but so like I I eventually of course want Brandon Jones to end up evolving and taking his spot. Um, he can tackle and he does. <laughs> He does hit hard. Uh, he's still learning, though. He's a rookie. Can't really expect too much out of him. I'm just glad he's getting the amount of playing time he is, honestly, because he's he's getting a lot of reps, which is great. Yeah, and every time I see him on the field, I feel our like he's first, doing something good. So, our first like six picks are getting good playing time. Um, Iggy started yeah. a few games this year. Tua's starting now. Andrew Jackson started the first few games until he got hurt. Yeah, Kinley's been he's starting. From, Kinley's been starting. Robert Hunt is now starting. And I actually really liked moving Jesse Davis to left tackle to let Robert Hunt come in. Jesse Davis has played really well at left tackle, mm-hmm. which anything I hope that the coaches are like, yo, Jackson, <laughs> dude, um, 
you were kind of gifted this spot. Now you got to earn it. You either got to beat, be better than Jesse Davis and Robert Hunt now. Yeah, I'd like to see that quite a bit. Because if he's if if Andrew Jackson isn't up to the challenge between those two, then you know it's it wouldn't be hard for the coaches to just kind of push him to the wayside. I don't think that's going to happen because he played really well. But now it's also going to push Robert Hunt to try harder because he's going to be like, hey man, like if I don't play well when Jackson's back, you know Davis is taking my spot. So I think that this is kind of something that we really haven't seen before with uh, competition on the Dolphins. Yeah, well, I mean, we haven't had good enough offensive linemen to have a real competition. Well, I'm just saying, like, in general, honest. Yeah, good point there with the offensive line. But I'm I'm saying, like, as a whole, I don't think we've really had, you know, players at multiple positions that are good enough to compete at, yeah. at any position, really. Yep. So. I'd agree. Maybe wide receiver a few years back, but that's about it. Yeah. So. And then, you, sorry, back on Arizona's defense. Um, like Chandler Jones, he's a great pass rusher. We're gonna have to keep an eye on him. What was he's that? Hurt. I, th- I thought oh, he was he hurt. hurt. Oh shoot, yeah, he, he might not be playing. Well, that would be a relief, honestly. It would definitely be a relief. He's the kind of the guy that will wreck to a shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, yep. Okay, that's a relief. But still, I mean, on, their defense isn't—they're not slouches. They do have the worst ranked yards defense, I think. Like, I think they've given up the most yards. I might be wrong, but I feel like I saw that. I'm I pretty mean, sure they have the number one offense. And that's fair. Um, yeah, but again, I, they kind of, it's because they're streaky, you know. And honestly, they've played some tough teams, but. I think overall, when push comes to shove, their defense has been pretty good. So that's something we'll have to work on. And hopefully, um, hopefully comes out with a win. I think it'd be a close game. I don't think it's going to be like us blowing out like the Jets or the Rams. Um, I'd say both of us score 20 points, at least. I think I think that's probably fair. But... That depends on how our offense clicks, too. Yeah. All right. So, side side note for you to probably cut out of the episode. Um, do you want me to do a hot take on this episode, or do you want me to just record myself making a video of it and put it on our account? I'm I'm good with either. All right. I'll do it. I'll do it on the Midwestern Fins account. Done. So, but well, I guess uh, unless you got anything else to talk about, we've been going for almost an hour. It's been a good episode. I'm appreciate that we made it back. I hope that we can keep um, get back onto somewhat of a schedule to bring everybody new content so we can keep moving forward. I know that we've been trying, but it's just very difficult with, you know, how busy everybody's been and, you know, pandemic and everything else. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, I think that's a good place for me to end off. I don't really have anything else to say. I appreciate everybody listening. Haggy, appreciate you joining me. So. Anytime. Let's, uh, 
let's get to this. Let's see what happens in the next few weeks, um, especially this weekend. I think the Cardinals are going to be a really big test for this Dolphins team. So um, I, I, I expect to go – I would be hard pressed to say that we don't go three and three in the next six games. Um, gotta look at the schedule real quick: Cardinals, Dolphins, Broncos, Jets, Bengals, Chiefs. I could see that. I don't think we're playing ourselves. You said Cardinals, Dolphins. <laughs> oh, I meant Chargers. Sorry. Yeah. Cardinals, so, Chargers, Broncos, Jets, Bengals, Chiefs. Yeah. Let's go. Jets are yeah. a mess, so that's probably our, our one. I don't want to even call it a for sure win because they almost beat Buffalo, but. Yeah. yeah. It'll be the easier of our challenges. I'll just say that. Yeah. And then the next few weeks are going to be exciting for Dolphins fans. We get to see a lot of really young, you know, star started players play against each other. We got Kyler and Tua coming up, and then we got. Tua and Herbert coming up. You know, we got Tua and Mahomes later on. We got Tua versus Drew Locke, so. Yep. So. It's going to be good. Yeah, it'll be good. And make sure you check us out at Midwestern Fins on Twitter. Um, it's your boy TB, Ballard78 on, on Twitter and all the other social medias. Uh, I'm going to be signing off here, so. Who are you, Haggy? Oh, right. <laughs> Uh, at Hagler underscore Matt. Pretty easy. Yeah. Um, so. Be sure to check out my, my my breakdown of the defense that I did earlier today. Or I guess whenever you're watching it, it might be um, Saturday when you watch it. But on Friday, uh, it's not something I normally do. So I thought I'd, I'd gift you all with something, something a little different. So. Heck yeah. As always, fins up, everybody. Thank you. Fins up. <laughs>